If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret. Searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman.
title song from their latest record, When We Disappear, out now on Blue Rose Music, wherever you buy and listen to music. Over the years, I've mentioned the Mother Hips several times on this podcast, and we've had both principal songwriters Tim Bloom and Greg Loicano on this show. The band, who have roots in Northern California, have been at their craft for some 30 years now, and When We Disappear marks their 12th album to date. While the Mother Hips aren't a typical jam band, they are an incredible live act and definitely intersect with the jam band community from time to time. No matter the case, they have a unique sound, one filled with shared guitar parts, great vocal harmonies, a thumping rhythm section, and well-written songs. I had the pleasure of catching up with Greg O'Connell last week ahead of the Mother Hips' second of three shows in their adopted home of Chico, California. We talked about the new record, which was recorded at friend of the show John O'Manson's New Mexico studio, the band's overall sound, and much more. Is it important, as important, to put out a record in 2023 as it was when you guys first started getting going and and obviously needed the, the hype that a record provided? Uh, good question. It's certainly different. It might even, you, one might say that it's even more important now to sort of let people know that, you know, there's a body of work that happens that has continuity and, and you know, a really concentrated effort around it. Um, is it less likely that people are going to listen to the whole record these days? Yes. Um, but in, in, in the sense of like preservation and art and, and creation, I think it's as important as ever um, as far as marketing and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was more important back then. Singles are great too you know i i think it's 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 a great way to they always have been singles haven't been as sort of important or out there as much of you know since you know the 50s and 60s right but i guess singles sort of have made a rebound because of the spotify effect or the playlist effect right as opposed to the the album effect of the 70s and and 80s where you know album oriented rock was so important and it was a different, like we go through these different cycles, I guess, in, in, in music where it's true. Singles have made a bit of a comeback like they yeah. were in the fifties and sixties. Yeah. And, you know, and the radio stations would get the singles and play them. It's kind of, you know, you could equate, I guess, the streaming, you know, you get a single out if you, and that's going to bring more people to your catalog that's on whatever DSP and so that one song will sort of get people listening ideally to you know the catalog as well and you can do that quicker than in the time that it uh, makes to to complete a full record tim has been your writing partner all the way along and i'm curious how you guys decide what you're going to share with tim as a potential mother's tune versus what you save for yourself since you have a pretty significant solo career and, and so does Tim. So I'm curious about that vice versa and what and how you guys decide on what tracks you're going to bring to the hips. Yeah, that I mean, that's a good question. People ask that question a lot. Um, I, I'd say in the past more so, there, there were a couple things like, <laughs> 
you bring a, a bring a song to rehearsal or you send a voice memo or a demo and if none of the band sort of <laughs> responds back you know because if you send something good they're like killer you know or they <laughs> they'll make a comment and if if it could mean they just didn't listen to it but also could mean it didn't it moved them so sometimes we will joke tim and i will joke about that yeah the ones that the, that didn't get the response from the band go on the solo records um but i would say more accurately for me um especially nowadays and with the last record i made and even even the record before um the the songwriting is it's certainly you can hear the mother hips in my stuff um but it's different it's just it's it's different enough so there's that um that you know thinking that it wouldn't necessarily fit with what we try to do um not to say that that's a set thing but just in the sort of ethos and then there is um the certain songs that I know that I, I have a very specific way that I want them to be presented. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a band, especially when it's been around that long, it's a democracy, you know, <laughs> so, right. and you know what people are going to add. And it's, I mean, it's fantastic. It's Tim's guitar playing and singing is, is top notch and John and Brian's rhythm section is fantastic. That being said, it's like, we'll, we'll know, I'll sort of know, like, they'll probably do this or they'll, do, you know, each each guy will sort of bring their certain voice. And there's times where I want to either be in control of all those voices or bring in different voices. Right. Um, so that's sort of how that um, varies. Or those are some of the ways that the, 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 what songs end up on which project. It's true because your last solo record was way more eclectic and probably a lot of those songs probably wouldn't have fit in on when we disappear uh, the way that they were recorded. Right. Yeah. I mean, and interestingly enough, I don't see, I, I could I see how you would say that, but I feel that that's actually a really cohesive record. Cause I really went for a, you know, it was a real, it was kind of like a heartbreak record. It was very right. specifically went for more of a soul sound. Soul and R&B, yeah, as opposed to a straight ahead rock record. Like right. And the so not, there's not really much, you know, maybe one or two moments that are kind of lean into rock, but there's a lot of stuff in like six, eight time and, right. and I'm singing falsetto a lot. So there's a co uh, cohesion to that um, record. Um, however, a song like if you've listened to the new record, um, a song like When We Disappear, no, I'm sorry, um, uh, Leaving the Valley was from, it sort of came from the stuff that I was doing for giving it all away. So that groove in particular is very much similar. That was, that, that was sort of the, um, the inroad connector, I think. Right more so than something like Lost Out the Window or When We Disappear, which are, um, you know, right up the hips alley. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. Is there, a, is there a, a sound that you innately know at this point that is a mother hip sound? Do you automatically hear Tim playing? Do you hear the rhythm section playing? Like, are you, when you're writing stuff, are you a, a, sort of, it's funny to say this, aware of your surroundings because it's not, you're not really yet in your surroundings, but are you kind of aware of the sonic surroundings, I guess? 
Absolutely. And you know what, what people are going to bring and that they'll be able to bring that kind of thing. And I know Tim does it too. You know, if he's, if he's writing something, he'll have, he'll be like, yeah, and just do what you're, what you are going to do. Cause that's what is needed, you know, and it goes both ways. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I don't know if it's signature sound or whatever you want to call it, but certainly um, when we're both singing harmony, all you know, so we're, or we're both singing all the way through, I'm singing harmony, or, or in some cases, he's doing the harmony to my yeah. lead vocal. Um, in fact, we try to do that as much as possible when, when it's appropriate. Also, just the guitar interplay, that's something that we, we started right out of the gate and really not just all strumming the same thing. I mean, sometimes that works, but we're usually trying to play off of each other in some way and play with different um, chord shapes and, and voicings and, and ryth rhythmically. And I think those, those two things are, are pretty prominent mother hipsisms. Mm -hmm. um it's interesting because while you're not specifically a jam band, you're very much a live band in every sense of the word. And I'm curious about how difficult it is. You know, I, I've asked jam bands this and, and obviously they have to condense songs and whatever, but, but you guys have a, um, a very live presence, obviously when you're on stage in front of an audience. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how hard that is to bottle up in the studio or at least to, manufacture that same sort of energy that you feel on stage when when you're in a studio yeah well we play we we record live right so we're really you know there's not the the audience and and that energy going but you know we we are all playing in real time um we, we even sometimes we'll save the what what are the scratch vocals and they'll end up being the the, the final takes just because it's in that moment. So we, for the most part, when it's, when it's a rock song or it's when it's a, a song that's not sort of being built up and more acoustic based and atmospheric, um, we really try to do that. Now, back in the day, in the first three or four records, when we were touring, you know, 200 plus dates a year, I mean, it's all we did ever. When we went to the studio, we were usually learning new songs while we were on the road during sound check, just playing them live. And so by the time we get, would get to the studio, um, we kind of knew, we, we already knew the songs and maybe we'd trim something here or make the solo, uh, you know, shorter just for, you know, just not to get too uh, um, self-serving in that way. And, but you know, over the, over the last three, four, you know, maybe even five albums, we're coming into the studio with songs we've never played live. Yeah. So um, like we are, when I get off this call, we're going to sound check and going to learn the songs that we recorded, <laughs> in, you know, in November of 2021 for this r record. And, and we did that yesterday and we're, we're going to continue to add in songs to the set list, but we need to relearn them. <laughs> Um, how did you end up in New Mexico at the Kitchen Sink Studio for for this record? Well, um, it, I think as you know, we've, I think the last time we talked we, it was a, a Blue Rose record. We've been working with Blue Rose yeah. for five over five years now, and we've done uh, the last two records we did at a studio, Twenty uh, Fifth Street uh, Recording in Oakland, yeah. fantastic studio. Um, 
Joe Paletto, who runs the label and is a, a friend of ours, was throughout the idea that we should go somewhere else, just take take us out of a, a familiar element. And a couple of different locations came up and Santa Fe was one of them. And then we looked to see what studios were there. And then we saw that John O'Manson had a studio there. And it, that was somebody that we met way back in the day. I think we had we had done some tours with Blues Traveler. I think we yeah. opened for them in, in Hawaii or did. And I think John O was with them, too. Maybe he played on those bills. But we met him. We knew of him. But hadn't, but we're like, oh, we know that name. So we called him up and asked about his studio, and it just sort of fell into place like that. It's interesting because John O'Manson is to the East Coast and the New York ethos is he's very similar in many ways to what the mother hips are to the West Coast in San Francisco. And in there's a lot of similarities, I think, in in what you've contributed over the last little bit and the people that have listened to your records and have been inspired um, some 30 years later. So that's, that's really, it's an interesting thing for me uh, to, to note that how, how was he in the studio? Did he, was he hands off because you guys are so intimate with, with the music that you make, or was he very hands-on through the process? Well, he engineered the record. So he was at the helm um, the whole time and Tim and I produced the record he was certainly right in there, you know, not only running the machines and and um, getting the sounds, but um, he, you know, very uh, respectful studio um, worker because he wasn't pushing ideas or anything, but we would certainly, we, we know his skill and we know his ability, not only as a recordist, but as a songwriter and, and playing music forever. So we definitely leaned on him to, you know, Hey, how do you think this is working? But it was, he was mostly engineering. As, as a Canadian, I have to ask, I'm curious how you got to Buffy St. Marie's coding um, because you uh, bring that song to life in a way that's so dis different from the, the original and yet very true to the original. How did how did you first come to the song and then how did you decide to to play it the way you did? Yeah. Um, so that song came into our purview a long time ago, like maybe, maybe even before the hips had started. So when I met Tim you know, back in, in, in Chico so many years ago, um, and we started playing music together, his older brother was in bands and had a huge record collection and he would always mail up cassette tapes to Tim with a bunch of music on it and we'd go camping with him and he was always turning us on that's how we found out about Gene Clark and all his solo stuff and bands like Can and West Coast Pop Art Experimental Band and and, and then like even like Merle Haggard and Graham Parsons, the country rock and the birds. And, mm -hmm. and we knew of the birds, of course, but, um, you know, kind of figuring out that lineage and all that stuff. So um, Leonard Cohen, I hadn't really heard much of him. He would play these weird tracks. So anyway, I think we were camping with him one time and the song uh, Codine by um, the Charlatans version of it came up and we were it was kind of spooky and just what the hell is that and we were we were certainly um at that time you know experimenting with all kinds of 
drones ourselves and, and, and experimental equipment and um and it was this haunting song and 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 we kind of forgot about it for many years and the charlatans were pretty obscure and they would come up when they alabama bound was another really cool song of theirs that was kind of a you know one that people might have heard and then i think what what i remember tim was saying is what, what during the pandemic he and i were doing um uh live stream shows right um, once a week and i do sometimes we do it together but mostly he'd do it on his own and and I would, I would do mine on my own. And I think he, he either heard that song somehow he covered it one night where someone requested it. And, you know, he called me the next day. He's like, when we, we, if we want to put, do another cover, um, we should, cause we did one on the last album, which is the first time we ever had a cover. Um, uh, and so we went and found it, you know, it's not on, it's, I think we had to find some weird old YouTube uh recording of it and we we that was the inspiration that's why we chose that song and then we, of course we looked it up and then we we're like oh that's buffy saint marie and then we heard her version mm -hmm. and that sort of informed the whole uh project around that that one are you guys always writing i i i, I would imagine that you kind of have to be because you're putting out like we said either 12 or 13 records over 30 years that's one every two years i think the last record was two years ago um is is that and and it was released two years ago but you had been working on it prior to the pandemic is that is that an ongoing process like do you still carry around a, a sketch pad or do you leave voice notes on your phone are you always in the zone I'll say that so Glowing Lantern actually came out a little over a year ago. It came out in December of 21. So this is the quickest turnaround we've ever done. This record was actually was set to come out in 22, December 22, and then we pushed it to January 27th. Yeah. Um, and so that was actually the quickest turnaround of any record we've ever done. Um, and your question was Are you always writing? Sorry, are you um, always yeah i mean when when we know we have when it we, we when we know that especially with this these last two records um we kind of the clock would be taken away and it's like we need to come up with some other hip songs i mean i think we're always tim and i are always yeah voice you mentioned voice memos i use that all the time i'll just have a melody in my head sometimes when i'm driving without even a guitar and i'll sing it or I'll come home and, you know, have something, uh, you know, on guitar that I play. So there's a lot of going through that stuff together and seeing, and, and, and again, I'll, I'll even make a note on the voice memo. It's like hips, you know, because it'll be a rock riff or it'll be something that I know that Tim will sing lead on and I'll sing harmony on because for whatever reason. Um, so I think that that process is always kind of working and bubbling somehow, but it's not like for me, I can't speak for Tim, but I go through periods where I'm like, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to write a song again. Like I'm done. I don't have anything to say, really? you know, it's just that sort of dip in creativity or a block or whatever it is. And then usually something will happen and that'll set off a, a chain. But with these last two records, especially with glowing lantern, the one before, and we weren't touring 
And so Tim and I were getting together and going on hikes and listening to voice memos and combining songs and then sitting down and writing songs together. And then this one, even more so, we really enjoyed that because over the years, um, playing so much and then having separate lives with, you know, my family and kids growing up and Tim doing his thing. Some of those records in the middle there were like, oh, here's a Tim song, here's a Greg song. And then we'd put our stuff on it and we'd help arrange it and everything. Um, but these last two records were very collaborative. This one in particular, the most maybe ever, even from the first couple records. Um, well, you're back home tonight, right? You're in Chico, California tonight uh, yeah. and, and tomorrow night. How yeah, and we played, we actually added a, we played last night. We'd added oh. a third night. So we had our first, uh, uh, first show last night, which was really fun. Is it is it kind of weird to be back on 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 there playing it with a new no, record? No, not really because no. um, you've been there we, before, probably. Yeah, we. I mean, we play in Chico quite a bit. I mean, the band will play at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. I come up here with my band yeah. once a year. Tim comes up once or twice a year, so we we still come to Chico a lot, and it just felt really appropriate to do the record release here because of the the history and you know even even though it's been so long since we've lived here and since we were a band here it still feels like a uh homecoming you know yeah um there are about a dozen dates right now at least on your website i'm sure you'll be adding those throughout the the winter and into the spring are you psyched to get out on the road and play these songs for people yeah I mean, it's Oh, for sure. Once you yeah. learn them, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got, look, I'm in my hotel room. I've got my guitar here. I'm, I'm, I've been, yeah, you, you, we, we recorded the, the album in, in, um, let's see, November of 2021. Right. Pretty much, you know, we're writing and creating the songs and all our parts then. And then we haven't played them because, <laughs> so I'm pretty much relearning all my, all my parts listening and going, what did I play? Is that Tim's guitar? Is that mine? What is that? You know? Yeah. So um, yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's going to be fun and, and getting back into the songs. We, we did a few of them last night and we're going to do more tonight. And by Saturday, we'll probably be doing all of them. Um, but I'm excited because they're, they're fun. They're good songs. And there's a bunch of them uh, <clears throat> that'll be, that'll fit really nicely in the set. Um, there's there's certain songs you just kind of know that aren't going to make the rock show set right and it's always a little sad because sometimes those are my favorite the more mellow and but they just don't we you know it, we, we'll do those at um, a lot of times we do full band acoustic shows or something so we'll we'll add them in there but um, usually pick the sort of the ones we foresee being uh, good live ones. And then you, you test them, you see which ones really get the, get the most juice. So who's, who's writing the set list these days? Is it you? Is it Tim? Is it both of you? Do you trade well, off? It, for, for years, it's, it's been uh, John Hofer, the drummer. Really? He writes the list. In fact, he just called me and said, listen, what, which new ones do you want to do tonight? and what keys are they in <laughs> so um yeah he is the set list master and has been since he really since he joined the band before he was you know he's he's been in the band for 26 years now yeah he's, he's the second new guy <laughs> and um 
he before that we you know up until he was in the band when Wolfchuck was still in the band we didn't make set lists right we just go up there and sometimes we'd argue about what song it was a mess it was fun and it was definitely at there was something it um it, it created something whether it was good or bad it was dependent on the night but um yeah when he got into the song and he had to learn like 50 songs in in a week he's like i need a set list and then it just kind of stuck <laughs> we changed but you know he's very especially when we're doing two or three night stands he's very uh, careful to uh, sometimes we don't repeat any songs um, there's certain songs that have become such staples in the set that sometimes we'll 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 do them both nights or, yeah. you have to play the hits still right i mean that's why the yeah. audience comes to see you big quotes around yeah I, yeah yeah, for yeah. Us, yeah. <laughs> uh greg thanks so much uh, you're always available and you're always kind with your time thanks so much for taking the time with us i i love the record it's it's quintessential hip, uh, mother hips to me. And uh, I enjoyed listening to it a few times now and I'm going to step away and listen to it again. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Great. I, I appreciate your support and you're always, you're always looking out for us and, and that's uh, appreciative. Something you said, there was a, a review that came in today. It's a really good one. It was from uh, Mojo and it was four stars and we were excited. And the writer said, um, she said, I've been listening to the band for, for over 30 years and in third or whatever it was. And after all this time, I still have no idea how to describe this band to you. <laughs> and I, I thought that was funny because it's true. And, yeah. you know, it's sort of this conundrum in a way. Uh, you mentioned jam bands and we get we get put in with that sometimes. And when we go to festivals that are really jammy, we're the outliers. We're not jamming enough. Yeah, and when we go to sort of indie festivals, we're jamming too much, you know, or the so the the or you know the you, people think that we're this kind of band, and then they listen to something else, and it's completely different. So I really appreciated, even though it's it's not very practical. Yeah. She hit it spot on. It's just like she she's and I, and I we know her, you know, she's been listening to the the band for that long. That's that's actually true, and it's it's. Um, something that sort of you can't you can never uh, pin down and I guess it, it can be frustrating a little bit but it's also something I kind of take pride in <laughs> for sure thanks Greg really appreciate it be well yeah thanks Ira take care always a great chat about music with Greg Loicano of the Mother Hips the new album When We Disappear out now on Blue Rose Music is definitely worth multiple spins for more on the Mother Hips including how to order the new record on vinyl visit motherhips.com before we leave you, let's have a listen to the outstanding cover of Buffy St. Marie's Codine, the second track on When We Disappear. My belly is a craving, I got a shaking in my head. I feel like I'm dying and I wish I was dead. If I did Stay away from the 
You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.